I just don't really understand with this Fast 9 trailer why his name is Jacob. Why is Dom's brother named Jacob? That is the whitest non-Italian name out there. Jacob. Jacob. Name him Gino. Gino. Paulie. Something. Oh. And I don't even think... (laughs) It doesn't even sound that intimidating, man. Like... Jacob. Jacob. What are you going to throw your textbooks at me, Jacob? Get out of here, you stupid nerd. Oh, my gosh. Even though I'm a stupid nerd, but that's another thing. <laughs> but that's that's the thing, man. You could be Jacob. I, I am Jacob. I am Jacob, and someone at the stature of John Cena, whatever you think about him, John Cena can crush you. He will break you in half. And yet, and yet, his name is Jacob. I don't... I am not afraid. I this movie, this trailer is insane. There's a lot of cool things about it. Like, what was your favorite part of the trailer? Uh, some God, probably just man. Look, I'm at a loss for words because this entire franchise is just. I don't. I don't know what it is. I don't know if this is America's answer to James Bond, and it's just gonna try and keep topping itself, movie after movie, but. I think my favorite part is just the fact that they continue to explain how everyone they come across with is su- somehow a professional street racer that like they can go up against tanks, they can go up against stealth fighters that can pick up cars underneath. I I don't I I keep thinking that they're they're capping out at every every in, like every entry in this franchise. And somehow they keep finding more and more ridiculous stuff to do. Man, I I don't know anymore, man. This is this is crazy for me. I'll answer for you. Your favorite part of this trailer is the slingshot. The slingshot, oh. like not like a, a a genuine slingshot, but like the rope the rope bridge and them just slinging it to the bottom of the car and going across. Oh man, I love that. The rope swing. That's not a slingshot. The rope swing. So, so many cool things with rope. That car that they were driving on that that rope bridge across the ravine that was already like the half the bridge was falling, and they were somehow still able to get enough momentum to stay on that bridge without falling. Like they're throwing physics out the window, but I they, think that they can do it at this point. They are, but I I am glad that they keep bringing villains back. Like Charlize Theron is back. Um so that's very nice. I mean, they did it with Hobbs and Shaw having, uh, wow, I feel bad. I don't, I forgot his name. You know who he is, John. Do I? What's his name? The vil- the person who has to team up with, uh, with Shaw. Oh, oh with my God. Ra- oh my God. Has it really come to this that we can't remember the famed actor from Crank and the Transporter? Chris? Is it Chris something? No. I'm going to hurt you. No, it's not Chris. No, 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 no. That kind of makes me think about just how forgettable this is. Wow. I'm sorry. I, I'm i more oh hurt my God. myself. Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Oh. Speaking of Jasons. Speaking of Jasons? Yes. John Cena? Oh. Boo, no, Jacob. Boo, oh, boo. Jacob. Boo, boo, doo, boo. <laughs> okay. Well, this... This has gone off the rails, but there is something to take away from this is that Vin Diesel, uh, halfway through filming Fast 9, he started working on the Fast and Furious installment of the of 10, where uh, he was saying 
that it could be a two-parter. And that, you know, with uh, with the Fate of the Furious, Fat, uh, Fast 9, and then whatever this 10th spinoff is going to be, it's kind of like a trilogy, but he's thinking it could be four movies with a part one, part two. So with that in mind, uh, I, uh, I'm, fe- I'm curious to see where this ends. Because they can land the dismount right with these crazy fuel octane movies in a way that I hot take could end better than Star Wars. I don't look, man, I don't think that's a hot take. I think percentage wise for you for you and me it's a hot take because we love Star Wars. I know, but I I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I think pound for pound Fast and Furious has put out more successful movies in the last 10 years than Star Wars. So what you're saying is we need Vin Diesel to direct a Star Wars movie. I agree with you. I I appreciate your take. Thank you, John. Uh, That's the rest of the show. Uh, We'll see you all next time. I think that pretty well sums it up. That does sum it up. Uh, Welcome to the Sum It Up Podcast, everyone. This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever the heck we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. I am joined by my good friend John, and I'm Christopher, and we are your co-hosts for the day. John, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Chris. How about you? I'm good. I used my full name in that because at work, this new job that I started, my nameplate says Christopher, and so everyone calls me Christopher, and I, I like it. But at the same time, I'm not used to it in my personal life, so we'll see how that goes. You don't want to go by Topher? Not anymore, no. Uh, That's fair. Well, I mean, I kind of miss it, but at the same time, no one takes you seriously when your name is Topher. It's kind of like it, like it rhymes with gopher, and gophers aren't serious creatures. No. They're Groundhogs not. are the serious versions of gophers. I mean, you Plucks the honey fill or however you say it with the guy that's standing next to him in that really spiffy suit. Yes, of course that they're super fancy. No, but those are groundhogs. That's not a that's not a gopher. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like groundhogs are the classier versions of gophers. Yes. Yeah, so I need to be not a not a gopher, but a groundhog. And gopher and groundhog. Groundhog is a much longer word, so it's the equivalent of going from Topher to Christopher. This right, is so a gonna, very long, out-of-nowhere conversation, but... We're going to pivot hard into the first story. <laughs> so, speaking of uh, rodents, let's talk about Birds of Prey. <laughs> <laughs> Great segue. Uh, our first story is about the Birds of Prey first impressions, which I am kind of blown away by what critics are saying, and I'm actually excited to go see this movie. But uh, it's Margot Robbie's uh, Harley Quinn movie that she was given by uh, DC. It had a strong opening amongst critics and audiences. She's reprising her role as the comic book uh, character from the Suicide Squad. And she this movie is her own female team-up movie against Ewan McGregor's Black Mask, which is pretty cool that they brought Ewan McGregor to this type of project. He's having a resurgence. Oh, he's he's well deserved this for a long time. Yeah, it's good to see him come back to the limelight this way after his showing in Fargo season three to him being here. He's come back. Uh, Margot Robbie's 
career has just projected up. And oh, yeah. with how this movie ends, you know, her legacy isn't really tainted except by the Suicide Squad. Well, even with that, I think she was kind of the shining light of that cast. I think her and Will Smith kind of, I think, salvaged what would have been a... What, what, they salvaged what was an otherwise horrible movie. And yeah, I think they're the reason... Yeah, I think they're the reason why they were able to make a sequel and make a spinoff of it. Um, I mean, I think she does a really good job committing to the character. Um, there was a Hot Ones interview with her that I watched yesterday. So good. Oh, so good. And she was talking about, um, like, Harley Quinn has, has all these tattoos all over her body. And he asked her if she had a favorite tattoo of Harley Quinn's, I guess. And she went into this whole, like, character study of uh, Harley and Quinzel, who was her before Harley Quinn as the psychologist or psychiatrist, how for her as a child, the most rebellious thought uh, that she probably ever had was how like getting a tattoo. And if she could ever get a tattoo, she was like, well, I wonder what that would even be. And it was, and it was uh, a unicorn jumping over a rainbow. And she thought, man, that must've been super hardcore for her as a kid to think about. And uh, Harley Quinn has a tattoo of that on her hip, apparently. And so she has, it's like the little things like that that she like has this history of and uh, the background already built up in her mind. So like she obviously cares about this type of character. I think almost as much as Harry Ca- Henry Cavill did for The Witcher. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, you think about you think about actors who play their characters and how much depth they go into the study and what they know and even thinking like them. That's a good point with uh, Henry Cavill and this. Uh, as far as Birds of Prey, you brought up the point um, about her interview with um, Sean from um, Hot Ones. I think that we're seeing something great where it seems like these actors really do care about the roles they're playing, especially with uh, this movie, which it stands out because critics are scoring it an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes and an audience score of 88%. I think it's gone down a little bit since then because uh, i checked this morning and the 88 went to an 87 since writing this uh but it's the o- only two dc eu movies two extended universe movies have better ratings and that's wonder woman and shazam wow that is that is really crazy because according to the reviews the movie feels more like a comic book more like the comic books than suicide squad which as everyone knows, is the probably one of the worst move is the worst movie the DCEU. It's a high energy punk style roller coaster that keeps the tone throughout the movie, which is great. Don't sell me on something like you did with Suicide Squad, where it was a really serious trailer. The first trailer for Suicide Squad was really serious. Second one looks kind of insane, and then people are like, "Oh, this movie could be good." Nope, it goes back to the first trailer where it just is tone deaf. And with yeah. this movie, the trailer of like an insane chaotic roller coaster, it's selling it on that. And I think this is the tone, the feel that we all wanted with Suicide Squad. So uh, I know I'm personally excited to see this movie. I'm probably going to see it tomorrow. John, what are what are your thoughts on what we're seeing so far from this movie? Man, I have been a fan of this movie since the first trailer came out. And I... I just I think that they're finally doing something right 
in making a unique voice for this type of character, and I think they're doing it really well. Um, Margot Robbie is actually a producer on this movie, and I think it's released under her production company. And I, I, I think they've just, they know what story they want to tell. I think they know the type of characters they have and the best genre in which to tell it. And I think that DC uh, is doing something really, really special and smart in making each movie that they put out uh, fit the tone of the main characters rather than mold the characters into the Snyderverse, basically, that was already set up. Oh, um, Snyderverse. Oh, throwback here so i i think they i think that they've got a hit on their hands and i think it's it's really keeping the momentum up going into future movies like wonder woman 1984 like the upcoming flash movie that they've got planned it it's making me more and more excited for dc movies as a whole so speaking of dc movies as a whole do you you think that should the success of the most recent dceu movies be credited to executives finally backing off or the choices directors and producers well i mean i think it's a little bit of both i think the studio i mean they've had a lot of leadership changes uh with the higher ups behind the scenes and i think that people are finally realizing if they want to tell a good movie don't micromanage everything Hmm. uh have a have like an outline of what the story should be from the beginning and let your creators do what they do best and I think that they're putting the directors and producers in place that are going to succeed. And by doing that, they're achieving what their job is and which allows the directors and producers to be creative. And I, I think it's just a domino effect that is finally starting to work. See, I, can't, I, I agree with you, but at the same time, I'm conflicted with that, that uh, thought process, process because I don't want to give these... I don't want to give these executives any power for this. I don't want to give them like, you know, like, hey, you know, I'm going to clap for you, too, because you finally decided to back off. No, because this is something the film industry has been doing and and it, it, it has correlated. It has spilt into the DCEU. And now that it's finally getting fixed, I still don't want to be like, hey, executives, good job on you for listening to. The fans are looking around at Marvel that has a good idea of what it means to micromanage or to manage for that point. I still don't want to give them that clap. If I'm going to give them a clap, it's going to be the Dumbledore clap when Slytherin's getting points at the end of the first movie. You know, it's going to be a very much golf clap, but I still don't want to acknowledge that, you know, your stupid decisions is like an executive who has a kid who's got all this money and they're putting their 25-year-old son who just came out of an Ivy League school after getting a 2.5 GPA uh, wearing shades and wearing shorts and a suit is uh, kind of the one who's trying to make ideas of a high-octane film with a ton of fans behind a franchise. I do not want to give credit there. Well, listen, so I don't, I'm not saying that they're off probation or anything. I'm just saying that I think that they're going in the right direction and it makes me optimistic, but I'm not ready to completely forgive and forget what has already happened. I will never forgive and forget because Zack Snyder is terrible <laughs> as a director of comic book movies, except for uh, people love the Watchmen. Yes. But I guess the the last question I'm going to leave you with is, can this movie reach $1 billion despite its R rating? No, I don't. I don't think they're at that point. I think really. Deadpool, I mean, I think Deadpool did because it was 
something that so many people wanted for such a long time and that Ryan Reynolds was able to deliver basically beat for beat what he said he was going to. And this, I think, still is carrying a bit of the baggage from uh, previous DC films. I think people, I, I, I think it'll do really well and I think it'll it'll keep the momentum up for the studio. I think it'll probably end up making seven or eight hundred million, but I don't think it's going to cross the billion mark. I think it's going to cross the billion dollar mark, to be honest. I think, well, actually, that was a really, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, there is China, which is a huge market. Yeah. I don't know if China would want to see this movie. That's the thing, like, the the first Suicide Squad had a lot of, like, variety in its characters and a lot of ethnic backgrounds in them, so they, I feel like, had the, the higher potential to reach international markets, whereas this one, I think it's going to do really well in America, but I don't know that it's going to do well enough to reach a billion worldwide. I think it would do, I think this movie does well in places like Europe. I don't think it does well in China. Because yeah. Europe is very forward-thinking, and to see, like, you know, a girl team-up movie with a bunch of people being punk, and it's not, I don't think it's on the level of Ghostbusters, it's like, hey, you know, females are awesome, which, yes, ladies, you are awesome, but it's not in an egregious way, um, it's just, like, correctly done to where there's not even a conversation, and I think China still just can't get past that. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more politics that go into play in that kind of market. They and made instead of making a woman the 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 centerfold of their movie, I think it was called The Wall. It yes. had Matt Damon in it. They made Matt Damon the star in a Chinese film about the Great Wall. Why? Why? That's like that's like one of my favorite movies. It's a Tom Cruise movie called The Last Samurai. And I remember Chappelle's show where they made fun of it, where they're like, how is Tom Cruise the last samurai? <laughs> how are you going to make the white guy the last samurai? Come on. And that's how exactly. this... That's, I guess that's, uh, that's kind of like the same place as China Second. But, you know, that's a culture or whatever thing. Hopefully it does well. I really, I want this movie to go to the billion dollar mark to once again, throw it in those exact faces. But man, why are you going to say that? Because they're the ones that are going to make that kind of money then. Oh, true. I want this. I want this movie to fail. I'm so conflicted. Let it tank. Let it tank for Tua. That's a football reference, which we'll get to later. Uh, John, speaking of things that tanked and, Ooh, I I don't know about that take. Go ahead. Well, I was just thinking as far as Spider-Man 3 goes. Ooh, yeah. That's connection. Bad bad taste. Yeah. But so I want to say, first of all, before we say this, that I called it from the beginning. This was my pick. And I'm super glad this is happening because now I can say I told you so. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Sam Raimi is in talks to direct Doctor Strange 2 post Scott Derrickson. Yes. I'm going to say the name so you don't have to. Oh, yeah. What did I say? Dickerson or? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> because I was thinking of Eric Dickerson, the uh, running back. Yeah. Yes. It's totally my fault. Oh, God. So Variety broke the story that the former Spider-Man director uh, has been in talks to direct this movie. I Man, I think this is the natural step for it. Um, I think, oh, well, because Scott Derrickson's going to stay on to be a producer, um, so obviously he's still going to have a say in it. It'll probably be the majority of the script that he's already written. 
Um, but Sam Raimi, I think, has the history with with comic, comic book movies, with the horror, that kind of spin that they want to put on it. Um, I think that he... I think the only thing that would hinder him is if he wants to tell like the Sam Raimi Doctor Strange 2 rather than just kind of putting a dash of his flavor onto the story that Marvel's already built. Because I mean, like he, he did super well with the first two original Spider-Man movies, and I think that a lot of that had to do with his creative push behind it because there wasn't really anything like it besides that and X-Men at the time, but that was all kind of at the same time. Um, so going off the momentum of the first Spider-Man, he made Spider-Man 2, which was arguably one of the best comic movies to date, uh, which I think it still holds up first personally. Um, but I, I, the studios got way too involved on Spider-Man 3. He couldn't really tell the story that he wanted to. Uh, so I wonder how much he's going to let the studio influence his decisions or if he's still going to have a bad taste from Spider-Man 3. And I mean, there's... There's so many characters that are there are being introduced in the story. Uh, Doctor Voodoo, uh, what's her face? Um, there's a there's a love interest that's not Rachel McAdams because she's not coming back. Oh, oh. Um, the worst but, the worst part of this, man. But like, you got to think she really wasn't given anything to do. Like she's a great actress, but she was just there to be a name in the story. Like she wasn't really given any any like depth as a character, so like it, it's kind of like what they did with with Jane Foster. Like I don't I don't blame her because she's a great actress. I blame the writing and the story that they're trying to tell, which I think they just kind of shoehorned her in despite not really having a strong story to tell. But it's Rachel McAdams. I know I I know your feelings, Chris. Now, I think Rachel McAdams is stunning. I think she's great in everything she does. I also think she's one of the most attractive women in Hollywood. But, you know, it just sucks to see her her go to not be in this movie. Oh, well. It it does. And I'm sorry for your loss, Chris. It's okay. But I think you're just going to have to move on with the rest of us. Okay, because the other thing that they have to do is they also have to tie in the... WandaVision series. They also have to tie in a little bit of the Loki series. I, The more that they announce about this movie, the more worried I get. And I, I think I feel a little bit better now that Sam Raimi's at the helm. Um, but there's so much that they're trying to tie in with all these Disney Plus shows. Uh, man, I, it's going to be a struggle. And it's going to be a challenge for them to really tell a good story with everything that they want to introduce. I, I think, I think you have, a, you make a good point because now I'm starting to get um, major uh, like PTSD over how star Wars handled like, Oh, read this comic book that you can't get anywhere else, you know, about the story that explains why this happened in the sequels. Like, no, I hope we don't get to that point, especially with Marvel. I know Marvel does put out comics, but as far as the MCU having its material, it's inspired by the comics, and they're telling it in the form of these movies, and mostly these movies are within their own universe, and they don't really connect too much to the television shows that they had. Well, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a thing, but you didn't have to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to understand what the heck was going on in a movie. If they tie it in this way with the stuff that's on Disney Plus, I think it's a very, very risky 
uh, strategy that they're going forward with and in a way that I, I, even though I am someone who has Disney Plus, I don't know if I'm going to dedicate my time to go watch it because of that. Yeah, and I think that there's there's not really a precedent to base this off of because this is the first time that we've had a major studio with TV tie-ins to the movies um, with on a platform that millions of people are going to own. I mean, I, I think that they're going to be able to tell a really good story with those Disney Plus shows, but it's going to be really interesting to see it tie in with this type of movie. And I've, man, I've always thought that they haven't really been able to do Doctor Strange justice because like in Infinity War, he was sidelined and you really only got to see him in action for a couple seconds. And then in Endgame, he had to go hold up a dam while the rest of the fighting was going on. So he was sidelined even in his own movie was an origin story. So he wasn't at his full potential the whole time. Um, so I think this is their first chance to really show Dr. Strange at his height. But if they're introducing so many new characters and tying in all these other shows, it just makes me wonder what they're going to be able to do. And I hope it's not going to be like Spider-Man three where they try and tie in so much. And I hope that Sam Raimi sticks around and is able to do more in this type of franchise. So with you saying that about Sam Raimi, you, you think he can, you th- you want him to stick around uh, in this gauntlet of MCU movies. Do you think that he's going to be a standout director or he's going to live up to the hype of his name that we've come to know and love even with the Spider-Man 3 controversy? Oh, no. So I think that he is going to do a great job with this. And I think the Spider-Man 3 controversy has nothing to do with his ability as a director and as a storyteller. Um, that had all everything to do with Sony's involvement and micromanaging. Um, I think that he... I So I just hope that there's not so much studio involvement that he feels stifled as a creator to not be able to do what he wants to do. And I'm really curious to see how he does... Because he's he's he really shines as a low budget director um, with all of his Evil Dead franchise. I mean, you got to think about the types of things that they achieve with that, and the the shoestring budget basically that they get by on with that, re- relatively speaking. And with this being a much more effects heavy type of movie that really relies on green screen, and there's not that much practicality to a wizard. Um, I, it, it just it's going to be interesting that to see him fit into this mold and into this new environment that I think he hasn't really had a lot of precedent with. Um, but I think if anybody's up to the task to come in at the 11th hour and make Doctor Strange a good uh, good movie and continue to be a good franchise, I think he's the man for the job. Hmm. Very well said. Before we go on to the next topic, what character do you think Bruce Campbell will play? <laughs> You're right, because he's obviously going to be in it. Oh, they would... can't give him like a. They can't have him like be in like as a a small like little character piece, like just a really minuscule side character. Not even like, not even like supporting character. I mean, just like someone who's just like, look over there. It's it's Doctor Strange, and that's the it, like like a kind of cameo that uh, a kind of cameo. Oh, that's on my end. Someone's honking their horn. Welcome to Florida. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, with the kind of cameos uh, that we could see, like those mini cameos that they do with like superhero stuff, 
uh, that Bruce Campbell would do. You you don't think Bruce Campbell can do it? You don't think Sam oh, Raimi's no, 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 going to no. do it? No, no, no. He's absolutely going to do it. And I think I, what I really hope is that he's going to be the same person, the same character that he was in the first three Spider-Man films. And I just, I just want him to have a throwaway line to where we, it's for the fans and that we know that's who that guy is. Uh, but it just, oh my God. I, I mean, he's obviously going to be in the movie. It's Sam Raimi. Oh, I want the, the waiter scene is so funny. And, <laughs> and Spider, the French waiter. Spider-Man three. Yes. Oh my gosh. That scene with the ring is so good with Bruce Campbell as the waiter. I, <laughs> I love it so much classic but yeah no he's absolutely gonna be in this movie oh i can't wait to see what he does as an old man <laughs> but speaking of old men the xfl oh this is this is our next story and by old men i mean that uh vince mcmahon the owner of the wwe has come up the task of bringing back the xfl and unlike the XFL's previous iteration uh, over two decades, around two decades ago, we're getting something completely different. Where the rules that they came out with this uh, over the past uh, month are insane and seem to be very exciting. And, uh, you know, two forward passes, you know, giving more incentive to run with the kickoff. You know, the kickoff has moved back, uh, I think it was moved 10 yards back for the kicking team so that way the, re- the receiving team can actually run it and i i know some people are worried about injuries but me particularly i i look forward to having another 11 weeks or so whatever it's supposed to be of football as someone who does love college football and the nfl i'm excited for this i can't wait to see what it brings to the table and in this age where the hosting the uh sports commentary and you know the comedy sports commentary that there is the espn's the fox uh fs1 networks that are out there get a taste of something that's zany i wonder how that's going to proliferate throughout the sports genre where everyone takes things super serious in competitions you know nothing there's nothing zany it's the equivalent of watching an american watch uh aussie football australian football which is in it looks like quidditch but with football players but with the brooms yeah with the brooms but there's no broom there's they've got like these goals and they're like kind of like up it's very weird uh you should check it out sometime if you you know want to do some research but i am getting this vibe of maybe this could be a turning point for casual people to watch the XFL in a way that it's like watching watching a movie, if that makes sense. Like a high-octane movie. Well, this... Okay, so to tie this whole episode together, this is going to end up being the Fast and Furious of sports. Yes. Yes. Look, I'm, man, this... and I feel like this entire thing is just going to be in the interest of the fans, which I guess is good in some respects, but the degree to which these players are going to be put under a lot more duress. I don't see this having the same kind of longevity for players as it does with the NFL. And I mean, like, look, this is me. I don't know anything about this. I don't know anything about sports. So take whatever I say with a grain of salt. But just everything that I've seen about this this league, 
I, it just makes me worried for the types of things that these players are going to be put through in the name of entertainment. And I mean, I, I hope for the best. I hope that this is a good natural progression of what sports should be to where it's less about the, the strict rules that have been upheld for years and years and years and more about entertainment for the fans while also keeping the players best interest at mind. But I think this has the potential to just get out of control because, um, let's be real here, man, like the American audience is like the Roman Coliseum watching gladiators fight and the no. bloodier. No, we are not. No, we are the- not. I, 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 your hot take, I say no, because that is, that is European football. And I mean okay. football as in soccer. Okay, they, so those pe- those people will kill each other for their teams. I'm not willing this. to go to Minnesota and stab a Vikings fan because they beat my Dolphins. L- let me ask you this then: When you're watching hockey or NASCAR, are you more interested when everything's going right, or are you more interested when everything is on fire and people are bleeding? I like it when Team Viagra spins out in their car and it goes on fire. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm worried about. That Team Viagra in the XFL is going to spin out and go on fire. It's, I think Team Viagra is also named the Seattle Dragons. <laughs> Look, man, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you are more concerned with the safety of things. I'm seeing how this is going to proliferate without uh, within the sports media and if it'll gain uh, the casual the casual audience to television. I would very much like to see it because it it does seem very interesting, but it could be so ridiculous that nobody wants to watch it. And obviously, player safety is a big thing. If a big injury happens within the first season where it could have implications of being handicapped for life in a way that has to do with the brain, I think that the XFL only lasts for one year. Yeah. So then let me ask you this. So say... Let's think best case scenario where everything goes off without a hitch. The ratings are phenomenal for this. Everybody loves it. The NFL starts dying off. This starts excelling. What this sport- is gonna this is gonna be a long that this would take like a few years for this to happen, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So over yeah. long term, okay. let's say ten years from now, XFL is more popular than than the NFL. What sport do you think is next to get their version of the XFL? Baseball. Really? Baseball How- baseball needs it. Baseball absolutely needs it. And I, I mean that as someone who used to be a fan of baseball and then had my hopes and dreams destroyed by the ownership in Miami to get rid of uh, the Miami Hurricane Stadium. That's kind of washed and dry, but I still hold it against them as an organization, think it was a good idea. Uh, baseball is boring. Hands down, baseball is boring for the casual sports fan. I know there's a lot of people with diehard baseball fans, and I empathize. I think it's great that they have this sport. But it's America's pastime, and now Americans are more interested in this thing called the Super Bowl, not the World Series. The World Series used to be huge. People used to know household names. Not anymore. Do you, like there was this huge trade that happened a few days ago with a generational player who's like something like a Babe Ruth that was traded away from the Red Sox called Mookie Betts, and that's the craziest thing probably to happen in the past five years of baseball besides the Bryce Harper stuff, which people don't. You know, all these things I'm saying you probably don't know. 
I mean, it's and like speaking Spanish, but I'll, it's I'll like not I'm, it's I'll like not I'm speaking smile. Spanish. But I'm sure if I say like, "Hey, you know, Mookie Betts died," you'd be like, "I have no idea who that is." Whereas the difference between me saying, "Hey, Kobe Bryant died," you'd be like, "Oh my gosh." That's where baseball is, is where it's in the back of your mind. It doesn't have great stars that everyone knows. Bryce Harper is that person uh, in some ways. There's a lot of players like Giancarlo Stanton, and there's just they're nowhere near the height of these basketball superstars and these football superstars. They're in the same level of, of the NHL as far as tier where America cares about it. You know, there's a lot of huge uh, hockey fans, but they don't overtake football and basketball and i think baseball has fallen to that tier of of national sports and That's fair. they need they need a, a mlx or whatever it is <laughs> or the x x xlb okay so off the top of your head and i'm putting you on the spot here what are three things that you would like to see the let the xlb do differently than the mlb Oh man, the XLB. Uh, so it's I I want so they do need to increase the time between hits. So you're probably gonna have to reduce instead of three balls and you go walk to a base. You're probably or uh, four balls, whatever it is, to get to a base. You're probably gonna have to reduce that to if the there's no such thing as a ball. You have to hit it or you strike out. You know, okay. you don't just get an automatic walk. So that'll be that'll make the time go by fast because it means less pitches. Uh, that's one big thing. I do want these. You can't really change stadiums and infrastructures. There's got to be something changed with. There's got to be something changed with the diamond shape. I do like the three bases, the home run, but you know in order to make it more exciting to where the ball could travel to the areas a lot faster i think you add you know the bases to be i i think you either get rid of a base or you add a base uh just to change up the strategy a little bit more uh that and also it allows for like you to be on the edge these not these not these scores but although people are going to want bigger scores so yeah get rid of a base get rid of a base get rid of one base somewhere no, you're Get right. A triangle is a much more hardcore shape than a diamond. <laughs> I didn't think. Yeah. So let's <laughs> let's go. You taint. I'm going all out here then. So no diamond. It's a triangle. Okay. It's a triangle. You get rid of uh, the balls on pitches, and then fouls count as uh, half a run. Like half if a you, run. So if you hit a ball out, like a foul. It's half a run. So then what happens if you get a run and a half? Then you got a run and a half. Okay. Like, like so, so if if someone if someone hits a foul ball, it's it's half it's half a run. And you know, they uh they instantly they instantly just get away from the plate. The person who's on sec first base or second base doesn't move forward or whatever to score a run. The person who hits the foul ball just gets half a run. And then the next batter comes up. And let's say that batter hits a home run. Then you know it does the whole home run thing. You know you got they go around the around the triangle. The person who's on second or first base run finishes the triangle. So you have two runs added to your half. So you have two and a half runs. I I think you're onto something, but I think you're like a half a run there. <laughs> I I'm I'm missing half a run of chromosomes. Is basically what you're saying. 
I mean, or I haven't like added. Cells. I haven't added half of chromosome. Thank you, John. I have ha- <laughs> an added half chromosome. You know, just, let's put you know, it that way. That seems. Let's fair. put it that way. Okay. Uh, let's let's not get any trouble here. But John, what are you watching? Oh my God. Well, to again pivot hard into this one. Um, so as a kind of a setup, my wife and I are trying to be a bit more healthy and fit, and we're we're watching what we eat. We're trying to exercise more. Um, so in contrast with that, we have also been watching my 600 pound life and (laughs) I can't, no, it's garbage television. It's so good. Uh, I just, it's, it's real weird making a super healthy meal and then sitting down and watching like extremely obese people like just devour kfc and burger king and let me guess you and jill are being pretentious and just laughing at the screen while you eat like a nice steak and broccoli look i'll i'll be i'll be real there's a part in one of of the main intro where they like have a highlight reel of different people and and at one point there's this guy laying on the floor he's just like my leg and it's my leg it makes me laugh every time i can't help it that spongebob my leg can take (laughs) But it, it, there are parts of it that are really heartwarming and inspiring. And these people, there's a lot more depth to them than than the surface level. Uh, but it's just, man, it's, it is garbage TV, but it's so good. And that's that type of TV, I think, is just like our guilty pleasure. Because uh, we've done like uh, the 90-day fiancé thing. We've done this. Uh, we're, we're a big on the DLTLC family. Wow. That, but anyways, wow. what are you watching, Chris? Well, unlike you, who's not eating a ribeye steak from Publix, that's $5 off because it was on sale. Uh, which is what I do. Uh, I finished star Wars, the clone wars in preparation for the seventh season. So over the week I finished uh season, I finished season three, four, five, and six. Wow, that's commitment. It was commitment, uh, or it was over the past two weeks I was able, to, uh, past two weeks I was able to finish it. And I gotta say, you know, I said it before that after watching a little bit more, that uh, I understand why Star Wars fans who watch this series are so upset with the sequels. After finishing the past two seasons. It really is abundantly clear that the prequels are made a lot better because of this this cartoon. It does and, give really good perspective. Yeah, it does. And I and I, I thought to myself, you know, Lucasfilm could do a resistance show. And they do have a resistance show on uh, I think it's Disney XD or you can watch it on Disney Plus. And I, it wasn't renewed for a third season. I think they did two seasons and that was it. Yeah. Because no one watched it. Um whoever was directing it, I'm so sorry that Kathleen Kennedy brought you on this project. But um it makes me think is that if Star Wars if if Lucasfilm were to do it right and they were to make a television show that has uh Dave Filoni as the showrunner, and it's animated. Could they realistically save the sequels the way that the Clone Wars kind of saved the prequels? Huh. And I think it can be done because you can get into deeper backstory of how the Emperor didn't die 
you know, that's a major loophole. You can get into the idea of like Ray's parents uh, now that we find out that she's a Palpatine, which is still kind of ridiculous. The more I think about it, and I don't want to. <laughs> when you did know, he the have sex? Ideas. <laughs> when? Right. Oh God, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's it's just that there's so much opportunity for them to fix the loopholes and the ridiculousness of the sequels. If they were to come out with a sequel type of show made by Dave Filoni, hmm. so I I I thought about that. Uh, the past couple of days and i would really like to see that you've sold me on that pitch because then you could even get into luke and leia's force training and more time with luke as a mentor to those kids Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, it's true you could get into that again mark hamill could even come back as a voice actor on it oh man man why aren't we pitching this to disney because you know (laughs) toward that that's wrong oh man you know why it's not happening john why chris because my dad is knocking an executive. I'm not wearing shorts. I am not wearing a blazer at the same time with shades. And I'm not out there partying with celebrities. You know, that's the type of executive I am not in which I will not be hired by uh, a movie studio. I, I, that's pretty, pretty accurate representation of you. Yeah, I am not that type of person. But anyways... <laughs> On that dark note of what we are not, but we do know we are nerds, that is for sure. Well, we thank you for listening to the Summon Up podcast, and we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.